We're going to turn in our Bibles, please, to John's Gospel in chapter 3. John's Gospel in chapter 3. And we're going to commence to read, please, at the verse 1. John's Gospel in chapter 3, and commencing to read at the verse 1. John chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And we know God will bless the public reading of God's inerrant word. Let's unite in prayer for a moment. Our Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, for this map that we have that guides us through all the different swamps, And all the different dangerous places in life. And gives us guidance and wisdom. We want to thank you Lord for your great love to us. And we pray tonight in Jesus name. That you'll put a wall right around us Lord. And I pray that the Holy Spirit. Will come in great power. And I pray that Lord you will speak into hearts that men and women's hearts will open to Jesus. And I pray that they will be saved and they will know that they belong to you. So, Lord, I ask for the anointing of your Spirit. I pray the covering 
of your blood. And I pray that you would bless the preaching of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I heard a wee ping there and it just brought to my mind, if you've got a telephone or a mobile or a computer or a laptop or a Facebook or a Twitter or whatever it might be, turn it off. Whatever it is, turn it off. If it's some kind of a heart device, keep it on. It's anything from the doctor. Keep it on. For I don't want any distractions of you collapsing. That would be even worse. In the 1700s, a young man, very educated and clever, went to a university in Oxford. Along with a number of others, he decided that he would live a life that would please God. And along with other young men, he formed a club and they were mocked in Oxford for it, but they called it the Holy Club. They lived as God-fearing as they knew possible and they prayed and they read their Bibles regularly and they kept account of each other how they were living their lives. And to all accounts, they were regarded as good wholesome Christian men. This one, indeed a few others, eventually would become Church of England ministers. This one was sent to Georgia, a young state, before the United States was formed. It was a colony of England. And he went to the state of Georgia to become a missionary and to win the Indians to Christ. Having gone for a considerable period, things didn't work out for him. And eventually he made his way home discouraged and downhearted. And he wrote in his diary, I went out to convert the Indians. But alas, who will convert me? That young man was none other than John Wesley the founder of Methodism. The man who later on became a Christian as a minister. But when he was converted, he then became literally a firebrand for God and turned the very nature of England, Wales, and indeed Scotland, Ireland, and America upside down. And in his lifetime, the nation was turned from such wickedness, debauchery, evil, godlessness, lack of church, lack of God, lack of fear of God. All that turned in his lifetime because John Wesley found the Lord. You know, for many people who are not yet saved or not born again, they find it hard to believe that you could be reading your Bible and saying your prayers and being a good person and become a minister and then a missionary and not be a Christian. But I want to tell you that's possible. That's possible. Wearing a collar around your neck doesn't make you a Christian. Having some kind of achievement where you can put it on a wall, BA or MA or whatever it might be, doesn't make you a Christian. 
And in the story that we have read, there's a man who's very high in a religious order in Israel called the Pharisees. Knew the Bible inside out. Knew that God, the God of the Israelites was the true God, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, the God who had sent Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who had brought them through the Red Sea and delivered them with the great plagues of Egypt. That same God, he was... He was the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And Nicodemus knew him to be his God. And he lived in a culture and a day whenever people feared God. And so Nicodemus was very in earnest to follow the law of God. He had a very interesting and affluent life. He had great tradition. In that he followed the traditions of his fathers, like what so many people do. Isn't that true? People who are Protestant tend to be Protestant because their parents were. People who are Roman Catholic are Roman Catholic because their parents were. People are very influenced by tradition, you know. But thank God Nicodemus had good traditions. You see, we can have bad traditions. That's a problem. But he had good traditions. And so he was disciplined, he was in earnest, he loved the Bible, he prayed. And to any man, you'd probably say that man's ready for heaven. <laughs> Isn't that right? You would say, just like, just like John Wesley, he's ready for heaven. But my dear friends, my simple message is tonight, the heart of Nicodemus when he said to himself one day, I need answers. I need answers. Nicodemus thought he had all the answers. Nicodemus thought he had everything sussed out and all was okay. But he met a man. He heard about a man. And the man was called Jesus. And when he heard about Jesus, and he kept listening, Then he entered into discussions with other people. The more they talked about Jesus and the more he thought about this man, the more confused he became. The more unsettled in himself he became. Undoubtedly, he tried to grasp at his great knowledge of the Bible. Undoubtedly, he thought about the good things that he had done for God and for the Jews. In teaching the people the law. In trying to encourage them to live a life that would hopefully please God. You see, Nicodemus knew that there were two types of people. There are those who are good or godly or righteous and those who are evil. And the average person in the world knows that. You know down deep in your heart that that God's good. And that God's a God of light and he's a God of love and heaven's a wonderful place. But, but you can't live like the devil and be like the devil and end up in heaven. You know that. I mean, you know that. And Nicodemus began to have big questions inside. Now, what I want to ask you is this. Have you questions inside? You look the same on the outside, and to everybody looking on, you're just the same as you've always been. 
But down deep inside, there's questions being asked. Why am I here? Where am I going? What happens when I die? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Is there an afterlife? Would I be okay if there was a heaven? Would I be okay tonight to get there? Is there anything I need to do? You see, as I said, Nicodemus, everything was okay until he heard about a man called Jesus. And Nicodemus revealed a few things about his own heart when he met Jesus. Now, what I want you to notice, if you're not a Christian here tonight and you've never been born again, I want you to notice this that this man began to get desperate to get answers. And only the Holy Spirit can cause you to get that kind of desperation. But having said that, while it is God who saves, I want to say to you tonight, if you're not a Christian, I want you to start praying to God. I want you to start talking to God. And I want you to start asking God to speak to you. Because you see, friends, that's what God wants to do for you. He does want to speak and he does want to rescue you. And he does want you to be ready for heaven. The Bible says that this man who had such a high position on his own without the awareness of his colleagues or friends or those that he hung about with, he secretly went to see Jesus by night. You see, my friends, that tells me that this man was afraid. He was afraid. It's never easy to come to Jesus. And the Bible says that the fear of man brings a snare. The old devil knows fine well that if he can use fear... To stop you seeking out Jesus, he will use it. And he's masterful at it in telling you, you couldn't come to Jesus. Look what people would say. What would happen to, regarding your friends? What would happen in the family? And all the things that would apparently go wrong if you came to God because you were afraid. I want to tell you that Nicodemus was afraid, but he came to Jesus with his fear. He didn't get rid of his fear. He came to Jesus with it. And my friend, that's what you've got to do. You've got to say, I am afraid, but I'm still going to come to Jesus. Because Nicodemus said, you are a man who has come from God. He said, I have worked with Pharisees all my life. But none of them have come from God. I have worked with men and religious men all my life in our great traditions. But he said, you are different. And I want to tell you, Jesus is different. 
You'll never meet a man like Jesus. You have never yet met a man like Jesus if you're not saved. You see, my dear friend, when you meet Jesus, you will never be the same. You will never be the same. Because not only does he come alongside you, but he'll come to live inside you. And when he comes to live inside you, he brings all his love and all his heart into your heart. And that's what makes you a Christian. And that's what makes you a new creation. Nicodemus not only said, you've come from God, but he said, I've been hearing about your miracles. You've been doing things that others don't do. You're able to do things that we didn't believe were possible. And you're doing them every day. And I am absolutely taken with this because I have all my religion and my good works and keeping the law, but I have no sense of the supernatural power of God. No awareness of it at all. And of questions that have not been answered. And I have queries and I'm confused. I want to ask you, friend, have you ever experienced anything of the supernatural power of God in your life? You see, friends, people say when a person becomes a Christian, you know, they ought to be different. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we expect if somebody says they're a Christian? You would expect them to be a wee bit different, wouldn't you? Well, of course you would, because after all, If God lived inside them, wouldn't you think that a wee bit of God would shine out? (laughs) I want to tell you tonight that the greatest need in your life is the greatest need that was in Nicodemus' life and John Wesley's life, and that was an encounter with Jesus. You need to meet Jesus, the Son of God. You see, dear friends, when Nicodemus met Jesus, I think initially he was going to have a heavy debate. He was a clever man. I think he was going to start to ask Jesus about really heavy thoughts about the law of the Old Testament. But Jesus went straight to the heart of the matter. Didn't waste time. I hate people that waste time. Do you know, I remember hearing of an old faith mission pilgrim in Scotland many years ago. And the old minister got up and he had nothing to talk about. The old boy probably wasn't converted. And he was talking a load of nonsense in the pulpit. And he started talking about daffodils and daffodils. And the wee boy at the back, he was Scottish. And he says, forget about the daffodils. Tell them about the blood. (laughs) I like that. Don't waste time. There's a message to be told. There's a need among the people. Of all people, the preachers should know the best to communicate that message. Because men are dying all around us and they need to hear the word of life that they can be saved and be right with God and be sure of heaven. There's no message like it. Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, except you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom. 
few words, but my dear friends, the full import of that hitting the heart of Nicodemus from the Son of God must have been a tremendous thump into his life. After all, if self-righteousness and being good could get you to heaven, Nicodemus is the candidate. But the Bible says that all our righteousnesses are filthy rags in the sight of God. No matter how good we are, here was a man who was as clean as a hound's tooth. And Jesus said, if you're not born again, Nicodemus, you're not going to see the kingdom. We like to think that religious people go to heaven, don't we? We like to think that all clergy go to heaven. We like to think all people who handle a Bible go to heaven. This man knew the Bible inside out. Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, if you don't have another birth, you're not going to heaven. You see, my dear friends, when Jesus speaks, you have a choice. And I have the choice too. And here's the choice. I'm either going to believe what Jesus said or I'm going to believe something else. That's my choice. People who believe in today in evolution or, you know, that we come from monkeys or whatever it might be, well, there's some people listen to David Attenborough and to them, David Attenborough's God. Whatever David says, that's it, that's right. It's okay, you can believe that. That's your God, that's, that's your belief system. That's what you... But my dear friends, the problem with David Attenborough for me is that everything Jesus said, David Attenborough has said the opposite. Who am I going to believe? I know who I'm going to throw my weight in with. Because David Attenborough is just a man. He's about 90, he's a very clever man, but he's just a man. But Jesus came down from heaven. He's God in the flesh. You've got to decide who you're going to believe. You've got to decide what your worldview is, who I'm going to believe, and what I'm going to say is truth, and what I'm going to say is error. Listen, you've got to make that up yourself, but at the end of the day, you've also got to decide, was Jesus right that there is a heaven and there is a hell, or is David Attenborough right and there's nothing? You've got to make up your mind. But only one of them's true. And I know where my weight goes. You see, Jesus said, you must be born again. I want you to notice that he didn't talk in the general. He just said, Nicodemus, you, you must be born again. You must be born again. There's a lovely little book called The Holy War written by John Bunyan in the 1700s. John Bunyan in prison cell in Bedford had an amazing imagination that God wonderfully used during his imprisonment for service to Christ. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress as well. The Holy War was less known, but a wonderful book. And he tells the imagery and the analogy of the heart of man, the soul of man, being a city. Your soul is a city. That part of you, that real person inside you that thinks and makes decisions, that's man's soul. That's your city. But on the wall of that city is Mr. Unbelief. And he strides about round your soul, reminding you not to believe in God and not to receive God. And and inside the castle of man's soul, there's, there's a great giant and he's called Diabolus, the devil. 
Diabolus rules man's soul. And sin rules in that terrible dark city that was once made by God for light and love, but now it's dark and evil because Diabolus rules it and the walls are held by unbelief and by fear and prejudice and hatred. But John Bunyan brings that lovely picture of the King Shaddai and his son Emmanuel who come to that city and siege it. And eventually they break through and they take control of man's soul and they remove Diabolus and they remove sin. And Jesus Emmanuel comes in and he rules with his father Shaddai in the city of man's soul. That's what needs to happen to you, my friend. You need to be born again. You need Diabolus removed from your soul and you need El Shaddai and Emmanuel, the Son of God, to come and reign in your heart. That's what makes you a Christian. And nothing short of that. Oh, it's personal, my friends, but it's conditional. He said you must be born again. In other words, if you're not born again, he said there's no kingdom. Jesus stipulated this is the qualification for the kingdom, the new birth. I want to ask you, have you been born again? To ask you, have you an awareness in your soul that Diabolus, the devil, and all his henchmen that control you and cause you to live as you live and do as you want and list, lust as you do and lie as you do and deceive as you do. And, and they do it with such impunity and they do it with such rebellion against God and light. I want to ask you, has that ever been challenged in you? Have you ever turned from that darkness to call on God and Christ to come into your life and make you a Christian? You see, my friends, it's it's conditional. There are many people, you know, and they go about, and the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. When I was a little boy on birthdays and a few occasions. We would get sparklers. You get these wee boys, and you'd get the stove lit and put this boy in, and he'd be fizzing out, and we'd be running around the house like madmen and women with these wee sparklers. And then they'd go out. Well, it's bad enough when the sparkle goes out, isn't it? But I want to tell you tonight as an adult and maybe even as a child, if you're choosing the life of sin and ignoring God in your life and ignoring your creator and the one that keeps your heart beating, I want to tell you that you have a sparkler. You have a sparkler you're running about with and you're enjoying that undoubtedly. But I want to tell you, my dear friends, just like a stick of dynamite with that little fuse coming out of it, you're not carrying a sparkler. You're carrying a stick of dynamite. And you know what happens whenever that fuse that's so busy and so bright and all flashy and so captivating do you know what happens whenever that comes to an end? There's an explosion. 
And I want to tell you, if you can keep that image in your mind, I want to quote to you a verse from the Bible. The wages of sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You need to let go of the dynamite. You need to throw away the fuse. And you need to run for shelter. And the shelter is not in a church. It's not in a lifeboat. It's not an evangelist. It's not in a preacher. It's not in a man. It's not in any of those things. It's in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is the shelter, my friends. He is the one that rescues you. He is the one that will protect you and keep you safe. He's the Savior of all the world. You see, not only is salvation personal and conditional, but friends, it is unfathomable. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you'll not see the kingdom. That's the great domain of God. (laughs) Since I became a Christian 40 years ago, there's so many things I have learned about God, so many things experimental. I have proved promises. I have proved his faithfulness. I've seen him answer prayer. I have sat in his presence. He's real to me. I know him. He's my savior. And there's so much I've learned. But listen, my friends, all eternity will not reveal his kingdom. The enormity, the vastness of God. This God who made the earth and the heavens by his word. This great God that created it all out of nothing and spoke it into existence. This God says, I have a kingdom. And if you're born again, you'll be in my kingdom, not just here on earth, but for all my eternity. And I will unveil to you the glories of my kingdom for all eternity. Try and grasp that, my friends. Try and grasp that. But listen, friends, it's, it's supernatural. The Lord said you must be born again. You know, whenever I was born in Dungannon, I believe, in the hospital, do you know what happened when I came into this world? I gained new consciousness. Prior to my birth... I didn't have consciousness of this world. I was in my mother's womb. I was hidden. I didn't know about the outside world. I was hidden to it. But when I came into this world, and for the last 56 years, I am world conscious through seeing, hearing, sensing, feeling, touching, tasting. I'm world conscious. I know what this world's like. I know a lot about it. So do you. Because you were born as well into this world. But you know what happened whenever my children were born? I don't know if it happened when I was. But immediately the nurse came and she had a wee tag when my son was born. And she just wrote out a surname. What's the surname? Just stuck it on him. He didn't get asking. He didn't say, no, I don't like that. It was just stuck on. He got the surname. He was immediately attached to his father. He got my name. He's my son. Born into my family. And so in like manner, Jesus said, you need to be born again. He said, you need to have another birth 
that will introduce you to the next world, to the spiritual world. Just as you need a physical birth to get into this world, he said you'll need another birth, spiritual, get you into the next world. And he said then you'll become unconscious of that world. Not only that, he said you'll get a new name, you'll get a new father, you'll get a new family. He said that's your world. That's why you need to be born again. Jesus, when describing, though, this unique, and I'm drawing toward a close, but this unique birth, Jesus said this. He said, the wind blows where it lists. In other words, Jesus said, your conversion, your new birth, is like the wind blowing. What do you know about the wind? Well, first of all, we know we can't see it. You can't see the wind. But you can certainly see its effects. And whenever God speaks to a man or woman, my friend, there's always an air of the supernatural goes on in their life. If you can explain everything about your conversion, I doubt you're converted. There's always an undercurrent of the supernatural that can't be explained because it's God's salvation. You see, there was a man called Paul, or Saul of Tarsus he was, and he was on his way to get rid of these Christians, and he was on his horse, and boy, was he going to get them. And as he's coming, suddenly a light from heaven and a voice, and Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He falls to the, falls to the ground in blindness, and he says, who art thou, Lord? What happens? The wind hits him. The wind of God hits him. He's knocked off his horse. The powers of the world to come hit him. And he's brought lowly and humble. Oh, my dear friends, we have a woman called Lydia in the book of Acts, and she's sitting with the apostle when he becomes a Christian, and they're just sitting reading the scripture, and suddenly the wind blows. And this little woman who's sitting reading the scripture and sitting at a little prayer meeting, but she's not not a Christian. She's not converted. The Bible says suddenly her heart is opened. The miracle takes place. The wind blows. The wind blows. I was talking to a lady just last week. She told me she had been invited several years ago to a gospel mission. Young woman, no interest, no desire, purely out of courtesy. She said, I'll go one night. She went to the meeting, come out of the meeting, got home, went to bed, and she said, right through the night, the scriptures just kept coming at her. The wind was blowing. Holy Spirit was taking the word of God and heading her. Couldn't sleep, got up during the night, ran down to her living room, fell on her knees and said, Oh God, have mercy on me. God, save me. Born again into the kingdom. Oh, we could go on. But it's always supernatural. It's always the moving of the Spirit of God. And I pray tonight as I draw this meeting toward a close that the Holy Spirit will be doing that in your life and in your heart, whether you're listening online or whether you're sitting in this gathering tonight. I pray that what happened to me 40 years ago as I sat in a tent mission in the little village of Kiliman, that when the wind of God blew, not the voice of an evangelist, although thank God for him, not the good Christians that were around me, thank God for them, but the wind of God blew. God spoke. 
And God convicted me of my sin. And God showed me the darkness of my heart. And God showed me that I was holding on to that little stick of dynamite. And he showed me you've got to let it go. For the wages of sin is death. Do you feel that need tonight, my friend? Are you aware of your sin? Are you aware that you have broken the law of God? I want to bring you in closing to the courtroom of God. I want you to see the imagery of God Almighty sitting in the heavens on his throne. The God of light and love who hates sin and will not let sin into heaven. And I want to bring you to that bar. I want to bring you to the box in front of God. And I want the angels to come forth and begin to bring your life before God. And all your life and all your thoughts and all the secret things that you have forgotten, the angels bring out the records, the books open and God with his holy eyes that cannot look on evil watches as your life is reviewed before him I want to say to you tonight sinner friend how do you feel in the box how do you feel in the box oh you have lusted with your eyes And God said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, Alan, I haven't committed adultery. Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after, you have already created, done the deed in your heart. God sees you as an adulterer man. Oh, you have stolen. You have been unwise in decisions and dishonest in decisions and you have made sure things erred to your own side God said thou shalt not steal but you have stolen you're in the bar in the box and the angels have all the evidence God says thou shalt have no other gods before me but you have never had God in your life everything was God only God to you it was your will your way what you wanted what you decided God never came into that thought even though he gives you the breath to breathe you never thought of it but now you're at the bar you see my dear friends There's only one thing you and I can say when we're in that box. Guilty. 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 The Bible says all have sinned and come far short of the glory of God. But Alan, is there no no hope for me? The story is told of a judge whose son had committed many crimes and the sentence was a very, very heavy fine. Everyone came to see what the judge would do, seeing as it was his son who was in the dock. They came to see would he be lenient because it was his son. And eventually, as they all watched and listened, eventually the judge gave sentence. And to their shock, he gave his son the heaviest financial 
penalty that the law permitted. They gaped and gasped. How could he do this on his own son? Because he's a righteous father and judge. But then the judge stepped up, took off all his regal gowns and set them down and walked down to the box and walked forward to the register and took out his checkbook and he paid the fine in full. My dear friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, God's lovely son, loved you so much that he knew you were guilty in the box. God so loved you because he made you and created you that God sent his only son to pay the fine for your sin on the cross. And the Bible says he was nailed to that cross for our sin. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him and by his stripes we are healed. The Bible says all our sins, or the hymn writer said all our sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them led them on him and believing I am free. Jesus died for you. And that's why, my friend, you can go out of the court free. You can go out of that box as though you never committed a crime because God not only righteously points out your sin, but he also has paid it in full at the cross when Jesus Christ shouted out, It is finished. Would you come to him tonight as we close? Do you feel your need? Do you feel the wind of God speaking beyond the voice of the preacher? Do you sense in your heart that that Diabolus is shaken up and he's crying inside? Don't give way now. Don't, don't, Don't be letting Emmanuel in. Don't be letting Shaddai in. Don't be letting God come in. Come on, man, get yourself pulled together and get back out there and get back into life. You'll be okay. Shake this old religion stuff off. Shake this old heaven hell stuff. Get out and do some business and get the television on and and get the gambling going again and get a few drinks and, and get with the boys and a few jokes and it'll all be all right. You'll get this all out of your system. Oh, Diabolus has done it for centuries. But Emmanuel says, come. Emmanuel knocks and batters at your ear gate and says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My friend, would you come to the Prince Emmanuel, to the Lord Jesus Christ? At the end of World War I, A young soldier had been hit with shrapnel. As he was lying with one of his main arteries cut, a doctor had come over and worked to save the artery and get it attached so that that he wouldn't bleed to death. The nurse was beside him. The doctor had said, keep an eye on him in case he is shell-shocked if he jumps or does anything that might come undone there's nothing we'll be able to do 
The nurse stayed beside him and watched him carefully as he seemed to go into a deep sleep. Then she got up and went to attend to someone, but suddenly shell shock hit him. He threw his arms and legs around and jumped about, and suddenly the blood began to spurt again from his neck. She ran over, and she caught the vein and held it, and and the doctor came over, and he looked at the nurse, and he shook his head. He said, let him go. The man looked up at the nurse, and he said, nurse, don't let me go. Don't let me go. And there's some of you here tonight, and I'm loath to let you go. Loath to let you go. Because if you were to die without Christ, you would be lost in God's hell for all of God's eternity. My dear friends, we want you to come to Christ. We want you to be saved. Would you come to Emmanuel tonight and open your heart to him? Let's bow in prayer. Now what we're going to do for the last few moments is I want you to do something if you feel in your heart Alan I'd love to come to Christ I sense God speaking to me and I really want to be saved I want you to do something now it won't save you but it'll indicate as we pray and more importantly It'll be your signal to God. God, I want you. I'm willing to give up sin and receive Christ. I want you just to raise your hand where you are and say, that's what I want to do. I want to receive Christ as my Savior and Lord. If you would like to do that, then in the stillness you can do that. You would like to do that. Now our Heavenly Father. We leave this meeting in your safe hands. And we believe that the Holy Spirit who has helped in a wonderful way that he will follow those words and follow thy truth. And we dare to believe that there are those tonight who will come into the kingdom. So Lord, I pray for those that are not converted, don't take your Holy Spirit from them. Don't let the old devil, Lord, get them. We'll pray that they'll cry out to God and they'll not settle until they know that they're saved and they're secure in the Lord. We ask it, Father, 
In Jesus' name, amen.